Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. Dennis the very best and and uh, uh, Phil in Africa doing uh, things that they'll uh, lead us into I'm sure when they get back and uncover all of that thanks for being here online if you're at home I'm envious of your uh, jammies there and a bowl of cereal you got a little bit on your chin but that's all right nobody can see that but me um, Dennis is famous for giving me what I consider to be tough topics, you know. Uh, just say, oh, this would be a good one for Charlie. What that really means in, in the original Greek is I don't have any idea what to say here. Uh, that's the case on this one. I started out with a lot of different uh, plans that ended up crumpled in, in the trash can. I was looking for a pithy phrase, you know, something, a, a sticky statement that you can just put on your sun visor and it'll carry with you through the week or a a meme that, you know, you could put on your phone and be reminded. Uh, I don't have any of that. I have some simple truths. Uh, and I'm just going to walk through them very simply. Nothing flashy. But I do want to end with a story that I hope will bring it together. And that story will motivate us. So that, that's where we're going to start. Um, in your program, you can follow along. And there's some places to fill in. If you want to be an overachiever... Since today's message is titled, The Church is a Place to Belong, you can just go to number four and write the word belong in there and you'll be ahead. But before we get there, we really need some foundation and some steps along the way, and that's the the path that we want to walk along. So the first one, the church is a place to encounter God. Now that might seem novel, it might seem like, duh, because after all, it's on our website. It's even on the wall out here. Brownsburg Vineyard Church Mission is a place to encounter God and experience life transformation. And that's absolutely true. And I'd like to say that we can just say that and move on. But let's, for this, humor me, because there are times in my life when God is not as big in my field of vision as He should be. And there are times when other things seem to crowd God out. And I think that I can find wholeness or wholesomeness or some kind of uh, magnanimity, big big feeling, um, w- without God being in front. So let's just do a little logical explanation, okay? Let's say that I wanted to go and buy some lumber. We've all done that for a home project or helping somebody else. If I go to... The first place I could look is a desert road. Not very likely that that's going to happen, right? Uh, if I didn't like that, I could I could move to a beach. Probably not. You talk about waiting for your ship to come in. It's not going to be there. But if I went to a lumber yard, that is my best chance to buy lumber. It is true. It's not the only place that I can buy lumber. But it is my best opportunity to find lumber on a consistent business. 
consistent basis. So now let's transition into finding a connection with God. I can go to my favorite watering hole, and it will be very improbable. Not impossible. I do not want to limit God to only showing up in certain places. But it's not very likely that God's going to show up when I binge Netflix with my wife or by myself because there are some shows that she doesn't like that I do. Not impossible. God has got my attention through the strangest of places and circumstances. But if I want to increase my odds, if I want to make a sure bet, the, the best place to connect with God is in a church surrounded by fellow believers who also want to connect with God. The church is a place to encounter God. The church is a place to do good things, right? We've got the Africa thing going on. We've got the youth going on this week. We have popsicles in the summer. We have arts camp a couple different times a year. We do good things in this place. But if we're not about more than that, we're missing the chance to fill in what God has for us. And we're missing the target that Jesus created when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. See, in John chapter 6, Jesus was um, teaching some hard things, as he often does. And the crowd, instead of burgeoning and getting bigger, started to wane and fall apart. And people were leaving in the back rows and in the middle rows. And pretty soon it's down to not very many people at all. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, um, are, are you going to go away too? Do you want to leave also? And the truth is, when Jesus says that to me, <laughs> there are times when I say, well, uh, yes, but how do you be that honest with God, right? Peter, in a moment of brilliance, answers Jesus and says, uh, Lord, to whom should we go? One of the translations adds the word only. Only you have the words of life. The Kiwanis, a global organization, does amazing things to help children. The Lions is an organization, and their sort of trademark is to uh, recycle eyeglasses to help third world and underprivileged kids be able to see, because you can't learn to read if you can't see. And the Shriners are unparalleled with their work in the Burns Institute and helping families and children in burn uh, situations. And as good as they are, and the dozens of others that I've not mentioned, they do not have the words of eternal life. The unique thing about the church of Jesus Christ is that only Jesus, only the... the founder, only the theme and the backbone and the heart of who we are has the words of life. So before the church can be a place to belong or a place to build or a place to dwell or all the other things that are in this series, before the church can do any of those things, we have to be a place to encounter God. And if we don't assert ourselves into that process and put ourselves in the best, most likely place to find a connection with God, then we're just going to have Netflix in our life. And that's not a very good eternal basis 
or we're just going to be alone on a beach. And there are times when that's appealing, but that doesn't carry us past this life. Heck, that doesn't even carry us past dinner time. Peter said, only you have the words of life. So that preeminent underlying place leads us to the second thing that I know about the church. The church is a place to heal. We don't heal based on voodoo science. We don't heal based on anything really other than that encounter with God. The first thing about healing, the first step is often the hardest. The first step is simply to uh, know that we're sick, hurt, or broken. That's not a fun stage in life. I don't like admitting to my wife that I forgot to pay the utility bill. I don't like to admit to my boss that I forgot to run the report for the meeting that's going to be in 10 minutes. I don't like that. But we don't get help if we don't admit and know that we're hurt or sick or broken. Gwen gave me some amazing tea today that I'd never heard of, didn't know anything about, and it's like, oh, okay. She, she gave that to me because she's got the gift of hospitality, perhaps. But because I came in this morning whispering, because I just wasn't sure I could make it through the sermon. Now I sound like Joe Biden. I won't do that again. Come on, man. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 Paul writing to Timothy, sort of setting him up to carry his ministry on after Paul would fade into the woodwork and into history. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I can think that I'm just the victim of bad parents or that I'm underappreciated at work, or I never got the chance in college that I had to to shine, or I never had a high school guidance counselor. We can think of a lot of places for our current situation and put the blame on other people or other circumstances. But the truth is that if we really encounter God, His work will teach us what is wrong in our lives only when we admit that I'm just a lazy bum. Or, I expect entitlement. I want somebody else to do the hard work, and I'll take the credit. Those are not y'all problems. That's a me problem. And I suspect, because you're human and we share humanity, that you all have some me problems too. An encounter with God, an understanding that the church is a place to heal, will help you do that. The second part of healing is that we can learn the habits and the choices of healthy people. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a pretty famous, pretty bold, pretty ballsy statement of Paul. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. That should be what we say to our spouses. That should be what we say to our kids. That's really what we should say without words to anybody that we interact with. I'm going to live my life in a certain way because I've encountered God, because I know what's wrong with me, and I'm working to get better. And as I pursue betterness, I hopefully will blaze the trail for you. Do you think, please don't answer, because then you'll make me and I'll be embarrassed. Do you think that you can honestly look at somebody in your life 
pick one person over whom you have a, a degree of influence. Can you say to that person, follow me as I follow Christ? Do your finances just like me and we'll get through this together. Do your service and thoughtfulness and selflessness just like me because I'm trying to be just like Christ. Can we do that? The, the church is a place to equip us to do that. That's part of the healing process because the third step of healing is simply that we can grow. We get over the hump. We're no longer having IVs and we're waiting for the discharge paper so we can get out in the world and use this new healing that we've experienced. Go back to the second part of that verse in 2 Timothy. The first part again, all Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. And here's the second part. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God, and just linger over this phrase, God uses it to prepare and equip His people to every good work. That verse was not written for Dennis Roy. That verse was not written for Franklin Graham. That verse was not written for Mother Teresa or the Pope or whoever the biggest Christian platform is that you can think of. That verse was written for us. When we learn what's wrong in our lives, when we find out and determine what's broken in us, we find some examples to follow and learn healthy choices, then we can grow to be able to step into the third thing that the church is, and the church is a place to help. I encounter God that helps me see who I am and who I need to be, which gives me a platform to reach out and help other people. There's a couple different ways that we can help. We can help from a position of strength. And by that, I don't mean arrogance and I don't even mean ability. But God has gifted all of us with something special. You're the best at something in your life with regard to your circle of influence. God says, I want to use you. I've created you a certain way. Second Corinthians chapter 3 Paul says this, not that we are competent in ourselves, not arrogant, to claim anything for ourselves, not accomplished, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent and min as ministers of a new covenant, not from the letter, but of the Spirit. God says there are things in your life, if you will encounter God, if you will to improve and make our, your walk, my walk, more closely reflect His, there are things that I can only do through you. Maybe that's help somebody put together, together a resume and get out of a cycle of poverty that they've been for generations. You're equipped to do that because God's given you gifts or friendships. Maybe it's, uh, you know, we talked about finances. Maybe... You just have an awesome marriage. And you've gone through the school of hard knocks and you got there and you've paid a price. That's not, that is yours to enjoy, but that's not yours to just enjoy. 
that becomes a place for you and me to help from a position of strength. Hey, 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 here's, here's five mistakes I've made. You will so much better if you don't make those mistakes. Here's what I learned from them. Let's see if you can learn these without them. That's an awesome download to put on somebody. But it only happens when we encounter God, when we grow ourselves, and when we decide that we have a place to help. Sometimes we're called to help from a position of what I call experience. None of us are perfect. None of us are hurt-free. None of us have ever not messed up. And what I believe Satan wants to do is to remind us how many times we have done those things and that that disqualifies us somehow. Well, how could God ever use you? Because look at what you've lost. Look at what you've squandered. Look at what you've not accomplished. You've just been on a treadmill and you're still an hourly employee. And Satan can say, ah, you know, God only uses people that accomplish things. No, I believe that God uses people who encounter Him, who have learned who they really are and what they need to improve, and then who jump in the deep end of the pool to help others. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our successes. Oops. Who comforts us in our achievements. Who comforts us in the smooth portions of our life so that we're standing like Superman. That's not the way it is. The God of all comfort comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those with the comfort that we received from God. There are times we can boldly and confidently say, follow me as I follow Christ. But there are also times when we can and should say, can I tell you what God has done for me in a similar circumstance? And just share that. And let the Holy Spirit do with it what He wants. We're not building a pyramid scheme. We're not building a downline. If you do these three steps, then you're qualified, and then I'll teach you a secret handshake. No, we are simply trying to encounter God on an ongoing basis. And that encounter God, there's not a line in the sand in the time continuum that says, oh, you can only encounter God if you have not got this far, or you can only encounter God after you've gotten this far. All of us are on different planes and different trajectories in our walk with God. And it goes up and down. I'd like to say it goes straight up, but it doesn't. And so, the most devout, sincere, oldest Christian in this room has a need to encounter God. The person who came here on a bet, or the person who tuned in because they feel like they got badgered into it and they want to be able to answer a question tomorrow, did you listen? That person needs to encounter God. And everybody in between. These principles are for all of us. Because all of us, number four, need a place to belong. The church is a place to belong. 
This is such a weird thing to say, but that is a controversial statement in church world. It pains me that it is because the definition of belong seems to be a passage of rights and a stripe on your sleeve or a medal on your chest as though that were the end uh, to the, the means, the means from the end. The truth is, I believe that belonging is a process. And for the person who comes and sits on the back row and arrives late and leaves early, hypothetically, they are belonging as much as they're capable of. And this church, my church, Brownsburg Vineyard Church, should welcome them and allow them to do that with dignity and honor and grace and reception. And the person who has walked with God for so long they can't hardly remember not walking with God, that person should find in here a place of belonging where they can realize that they're still hurt, broken, and sick. And they need someone to help them along from time to time. So you can say the sentence, I, I don't belong here, those four words. You can say that a couple different ways. You can say it arrogantly. I don't belong here. Stuart, how was the British accent? <laughs> and sometimes we do that, you know? I look at friends I know and places I've been, and it's like, oh, dude, I don't belong here. This is, this is beneath me. I never say it that way, but I think it that way. The other side is... Uh, I don't belong because I don't feel worthy and I don't measure up. Several years ago, I was invited to the White House. And as I stood there and the President of the United States called my name, I thought, neither one of those extremes are a good definition of what it means to belong in a church. There should never be arrogance, but there should never be shame because we do belong here because of Jesus Christ. And to try to illustrate that, I have a story that I want to tell you. Truth is stranger than fiction, and so you'll know that this story is true because it's very strange. In 1990, I was a candidate for the state legislature of Indiana. I had decided that I was sick and tired of politicians who acted well, pretty much like they act today. And I wanted to be a part of the cog in the wheel to change that. So I took a leave of absence from my job, and I campaigned for a state representative in another part of Indiana where I lived at that time. Uh, I would work in the morning at whatever odd jobs I could find, and then go campaign in the afternoon and the evening. And I had five counties to cover, so I did a lot of driving and tried to had to work really hard to coordinate the schedule. One afternoon, um, late morning, I get a phone call from my wife that says our four-year-old daughter is being taken to the hospital uh, emergency room, and it's like, oh, well, I'm about two minutes from the hospital, and 
I was seeding a yard at that point and covered in dust and dirt, but I went to the hospital anyway. I met my wife there and spent some time there, and it was apparent that this was going to be okay. This was just some kind of infection. It was going to be okay. One night, stay over, and it's all fine. It's like, at that point, I'm not thinking of anything except my wife and family and, and her needs, their needs. At some point, Debbie, because she's a trooper and she works hard to help me succeed, says, don't you have that dinner to go to tonight? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm staying here. No, 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 this is going to be fine. There's really nothing both of us can do. I will stay with her. There's enough activity for me to feel engaged. Two of us would be bored. Why don't you go ahead and go? Okay, so I fly home, shower, change, and I go to the northern part of the county, which is the home area of my opponent, okay? And I'm just dumb enough. I have no experience in the political world. I'm just dumb enough to walk into the teeth of the tiger, right? Just I'm just going to go there because there are people there that uh, I need to meet. And so it was, it was supposed to be a spaghetti dinner uh, at a church. And so in that part of Indiana and maybe here too, there's all the time chicken dinners and spaghetti dinners and pork chop fries and everything to raise money for a thousand different causes. And that's a great place to go and meet people, right? Plus you get to eat. You'll pay three times as much because you always want to make a good donation because people are watching. Uh, but it's, it's a system that we've got worked out. So I slide to a stop at this church, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and look around and thought, man, they, we didn't have a very good crowd. The parking lot's a little bit empty. Look at my watch and thought, well, maybe everybody came early. So... <clears throat> I talk myself up into it, and I go and into the basement. And at the bottom of the steps, I'm really going somewhere with this story. At the bottom of the steps, there was a lady sitting at a table. And so in my best good old boy vernacular, I say hi and say, how's the crowd been tonight? And I'm reaching for my wallet. And I said, I don't see a basket. Have you already? Am I that late? It, it doesn't matter. Put this for whatever the cause was. She just stares at me. She looks, and she said, "There's, there's just no charge." I said, "No, no, no, that's all right. I, I know I'm late. If it's okay, I'm just going to mingle and say hi to some people." Oh, okay. So I looked around the room, and it's really sparse. It's like, I don't know. So we, that that part of the of the county was about six miles from the state line of Ohio. So it's very, very often that people would come over that could never vote for you, never do you any good. And you sort of had to figure that out because they don't stamp their foreheads when they cross the line. You just got to figure it out. But the one place that you can always go and score points is in the kitchen, right? So I go to the kitchen as I always did at every dinner. And I talk to the people who are sweaty and greasy and cleaning up, and I just say, whatever, thanks for what you're doing. You know, you're the hinge of the door and blah, blah, blah. And it was all right. Like, okay, well, thanks. And, and you know, tell them my name, and we're, we're good. So I go out. Now I'm looking at this crowd, and the whole night just feels off. It's just, it's not right for some reason. But I assume it's me, right, because my four-year-old is in the hospital, and I probably shouldn't be here, but I am anyway, so I'm going to make a go of it. <clears throat> so, running down my mental list of what do you do when you're not comfortable, 
is you find somebody that you do know. And if you can start a conversation with somebody you know, it'll spread like I get my sea legs under me and it'll be okay. So I scan the room, I don't see anybody I know until I see Frank. I know Frank. So I go to Frank. Frank's a ubiquitous kind of fella. He um, owns a business. He's well-known in the community. He's also the brother-in-law of my opponent. But that's okay. Frank's a good guy. He's been nice to me, and I knew him before all this. So I go and I say, hey, Frank, how are you? And he looks at me a lot like the gal at the front table and says, Charlie, what are you doing here? And I say, Frank, I'm here trying to beat your brother-in-law. And you can take that message back to him. (laughs) And he said, Charlie, this is my daughter's wedding rehearsal. (laughs) Oh, easy for you to say. Talk about I don't belong here. Oh, the blood drains from my face. I said, Frank, I am so sorry. And I felt the need to tell him why. And it's like, forget it. I'm sorry. I just made a mistake. I am leaving. I am so sorry. And he said, the heck you are. And he grabbed me by the arm and walked me over and stood up on top of the table. Hey, you all gather around here. Why don't you meet my friend Charlie? He's working his butt off, and he deserves for you to know that. And so Frank took the time at his daughter's rehearsal to help me feel welcome. Now, he couldn't make me feel as though I belonged because he wasn't Jesus Christ. Be in John chapter 14. Jesus points out the difference between Frank and Jesus. The difference between a misplaced wedding rehearsal and the church of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man can belong to my church except through me. Frank could and did make me feel welcome. But that's as far as it goes. You and I, every single Sunday morning, every single conversation in and out of this place, we have the chance to be like Frank. We can make people feel welcome. Whether they believe like us or vote like us or dress like us or anything, we can make them feel welcome. But we have a secret weapon that Frank didn't have. He could not make me belong to his family. He could not make me belong to be there. But we have the ally of Jesus Christ. And if we encounter him ourselves and go through the process, when there is an opportunity that somebody feels out of place or they don't know if they should be here or not, we can be frank and make them feel welcome all the while introducing them to Jesus who can make them belong. That's what makes the church different than any other organization that you can think of. Every organization has Franks, but only one 
worship team is going to lead us in the closing song. The prayer team is going to come up. And maybe you need a refresher on encountering God, or you need one of the steps of the healing process, or maybe you need help, or you realize that you've never offered help. This is a place for you to come, because all of those are steps, part and parcel, into making the church a place to belong.